Nerdies, welcome back to episode 22 of Raging Nerds. This is Thirsty as always, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host. The wonderful tissue-enhanced John. Tissue-enhanced, I love it. You need those extra tissues right now, right? I know, it's crying all the time because... Oh, is that what you're doing? I don't know anymore. I'm just here. That's all I do. Uh, The lonely single life of John. Oh, yeah. The fact that there is actually tissues on my desk. I know. It's amazing. I love love the random stuff you find whenever you're cleaning up. Oh, God. I know. I found some really random shit. One of them was uh, those Dyson fans, like to have like that make no noise and just... Right. The the ones with no fans. Yeah. Yeah. So, digging up, I found apparently one time I was board on amazon and i have this thing that looks like a little it's a bladeless fan on a body it looks yeah. creepy yeah it's a tr- it looks like a troll doll that's what's really fucked up because it's got a little shiny belly on it no it's a care bear it's a care bear dyson fan yeah there you go yeah it's loud as hell and unless you're like within a f- one to two feet in directly in front of it right that's the only way you feel the air uh, I worked for Dyson a while ago, uh, but their but their fans are kind of like that though. Unless you're like in the same vicinity or right in front of it, you're not going to feel that air. Yeah, yeah. Dysons well, are fucking hella expensive. It's crazy. Oh God, yes. Uh, but hey, guys, we are back. Uh, we are doing part two of our indie comic review. Oh, where are we hot shots now? <laughs> yeah, I know French. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we got we got so many indie comic book artists sending in material that we had to do two episodes. And at the end of this episode, we're gonna actually tell you a little bit about our future episodes as well. But you know what? Let's let's go ahead and get started, right? Oh, I'm, I guess so. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready, man. Okay, uh, I kind of am. So yeah, let's just go with it. I'll wing it. <laughs> so uh, the first comic book that we're going to review is The Lords of Cosmos. It's made by The Ugly Studios. Uh, that's a fun name. Uh, so Lords of Cosmos, uh, we got this material from Jason Lennox, which is the co-creator and cover story pencils. Uh, so th- there is so many people that went into this comic. I cannot list them all for you. Uh, but whenever we post this up on our social media, I'm sure that you guys can get that info. Uh, so... What did you think about the Lords of Cosmos? Should we do the rundown? Should we do the rundown of what's going on in this first episode? Yes, go right ahead. The first issue is called Umix Rising. Um, it starts with the planet Aiden. It's ruled by a city called Gemspire. A city of wonder is protected behind alabaster walls. It's ruled by King Ural, Queen Tarim, and the planet is powered by the Great Machine. Have you ever watched Masters of the Universe? Really? You're going to ask this old guy... If I've seen Masters of the Universe. Uh, no, okay. I haven't. <laughs> Blasphemy. <course> I have. <laughs> so, if you like Masters of the Universe, you're going to fucking love this comic, okay? First of all, visuals, they're stunning. I love it. Um, it's one of those classic, like, foreign planets, you know, protected by this good queen and king, uh, and then a dark entity comes and tries to take it all away and destroy the planets you know it's one of those old tripes that you know it's just it constantly happens all the time they have solid characters you know it goes into like you know oh the planet it's sacred you know wizards protect the planet they fuse tech with tissue and you know there's just like a planet that has proceeded and evolved beyond ours you know what i'm saying there's a dark entity 
that is introduced into this. Uh, and it's Umex. He is said to be a sentient virus given a human form. Uh, some say he was once a beautiful creature of pure love corrupted. Uh, so Satan. <laughs> He's Satan, or, pretty much, right? <laughs> or a very hormonal teenager that went through a very bad breakup. You know, you're right. You're very right. In this first comic, you're you're going to come across a bunch of pages that are just introducing characters. It's it's kind of hard when you have like uh, it's really hard when you have a comic, right? And there's a bunch of villains that you want to introduce, right? But you can't really say each time you see a character, "Oh, this is this person," or like, "Oh, hi." you know, Mysterion, you know, mysterious man of da-da-da-da. Like, you can't do that. You can't introduce characters that way. So this comic book artist, he introduces the characters um, page after page with a visual and then a um, narration block with information on it. Yes, that there was a lot of that. <laughs> there, there was a lot, but I fucking love these names. Okay, so I'm just going to give you a couple of these names. Uh, first of all, my favorite character, uh, I've, I love this backstory, is Psychorn, the last unicorn. Now more of his fellow magical creatures that once resided in the Great Green. So fucking Psychorn is this decomposing like robot unicorn and it's like fucking freaky as hell i love his backstory in these comics at the end of each of these comics there's a backstory on some of the villains and they're great uh but but it's just like he-man like you know he-man it was like he-man and it was like a man that was like the man's man and that's and then was it they named a uh, merman because he was a mermaid man um they, you know they named the names after the physical description of the character and this is what this artist does uh like bone saw silt stalker minozer <laughs> which is like a mind in a robot suit uh it's just all these characters are just compilations of what they look like in some cool oh, yeah, you know, name like or <laughs> The decapitator. <laughs> these characters, no, like, don't get me wrong. These these characters are fucking sweet. Like, cyber crab. Ah! <laughs> oh, yeah. Where he eats children. It's fun. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. The one that I really like. Oh, God. It was the one that has the mini faces. Um, it reminds me of the He-Man mini faces where he can change his face uh, and portray other people. Oh, and whenever yeah, yeah, and whenever yeah, yeah. he kills people, he takes their face. Oh, well, he takes their head. Yeah, but, well, you know what I'm saying. But yeah, uh, it was it, honestly, I really, really love the comic. Um, it's fucking dark. I mean, they like kill kids and shit. Uh, I love it. <laughs> oh yeah, they're like what cyber crab was like eating children. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 pretty amazing. But but what Umix is trying to do is he's trying to infect the um, Great Machine by spreading the virus all over the planet. Um, the Great Machine provides, um, I guess, nutrition to the planet, um, and they say that the Great Machine was there before people were there. Like it was always there. No one ever questioned it. It was just there. Uh, so we reveal a hero called Aegeus, um, and he must be defeated for Umex to rule. So we definitely have the hero. We have the villain. It's I love it. I love it. And then it. all of the wonderful uh, minions. So, so these minions are called the Disciples of Umex. Um, they're there to create the great rift uh which is when the fabric of existence is torn asunder uh now axiom 
tried to take over in the past at one point and a hero stopped him. So again, he's trying to come back. His disciples brought him back. Um, and that's kind of where we left issue one. Uh, so issue two. Uh, is called As the World Burns. Comic book two starts with the minions of Umix pretty much revolting and killing people. We are also introduced to Axiom, uh, which are the metal walls made of bodies of dead androids. Towers are the fingers of a long dead horde giant. That is what protects Umex and his minions. Uh, it's pretty fucking amazing. Uh, Umex plans to take out the great machine and poison it. The Great Machine has always been there. At one point, Umex blew up the pumping stations. Um, and I, again, I love the decapitator with the exchangeable heads. I love it. Oh, it's kind of interesting. It's just like, hmm, twist lock, pop them in. I mean, this whole comic is just brutal killing. Brutal killing. The minions are taking the fuck over. Uh, there we go with Cybercorn. He's amazing. He's vaporizing humans. You see that panel? That's like yeah. my fucking panel. <laughs> just oh, yeah. vaporizing right humans. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then the panel right below it, you have a uh, cannibal. Yes, I know. I love it. Cannibal. It's a bull that's a cannibal. I love it, man. I love these names. It's. If you love the 80s and you love those cheesy names, if you love He-Man and every... You will love these comics, man. I, I cannot stress enough how much you love these comics if you're an 80s fan or an 80s baby for that matter <laughs> uh, these comics can get really dark so i would not recommend them giving to them to your young child uh but me i will take the fuck out of these comics so <laughs> uh so what would you give this comic all in all uh 3.5 3.7 Okay, so I loved this. Um, I'm super into He-Man. My boyfriend is. Um, we are a He-Man family. Uh, <laughs> so whenever I got these comics in, I was just like, what is this? This is amazing. I gave it a 4.9. Uh, the second comic is amazing. The first comic, like I said, there were, I believe, too many pages of just pictures of the characters and the explanation of who they are and their names. Um it was just a little too much, but honestly, I don't know how else he would introduce the characters. So it's kind of like a Catch-22 kind of thing. Uh, I would love this to be a fucking cartoon. I would love this to be a series. Uh, I can definitely see it translating onto TV. I love it. I love Lords of Cosmos. I can't wait till the third one comes out. Um... I'm 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 on board. I love it. Which explains a lot of your psyche right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, yes. Uh, <laughs> um I I love me some dark humor. Um if you look at my podcast list, it's all like um horror mysteries, uh the Magnus Archives, Up and Vanished, Black Tapes, uh God, uh, so many uh, Limetown. I love dark mysteries with murder and mystery and everything involved. So this is right up my dark ass alley. <laughs> then you're gonna be ready for whenever Shaggy starts using like ten percent of his power <laughs> okay, and snapping so what, okay, the okay, universe out of existence. Sidetrack. What the fuck is up with these Shaggy memes? Like, where did they, where did they originate from? Can someone tell me where the fuck these Shaggy memes came from? Uh, my guess is with the uh, release of Super Broly. Okay. From Dragon Ball Z. Right. So I'm thinking that's kind of where someone decided just to make a meme, throw it out there, and it just gained traction. What, what is it connected to Super Broly? Well, because Super Broly, he was supposed to be 
Um, he was a. Uh, I went actually. I went to go see the see the movie with uh-huh. Liz, with Lizzie the Hedgehog. Nice. And to be honest, I'm, I'm I like Dragon Ball Z. I'm uh-huh. not a like diehard Dragon Ball Z fan. It was it was a good movie from what I remember of it because I think I pulled like a twelve hour shift at work before two days in a row. So yeah, I kind of fell asleep a little bit. <laughs> I think that's where it originated from, because Broly was... They didn't want him, so they sent him off. And kind of the same thing with Shaggy. He's always that character that they always send off on when they're doing mysteries. Uh-huh. So I think that's where it kind of teamed from there, at least in my mind. I can see that. Went. That's very interesting. That's like because, like, I was talking about this, and I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? So that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, so Lords of the Cosmos, check them out on Kickstarter. Uh, during the week, we're going to be posting more information and updates on how to contact, how to buy, um, and more information on these artists. Yes. Check their stuff out. Check it out. It's a moral out. imperative. <laughs> so our next comic is Blood and Gourd. It is made by Dead Peasant. Oh, I got these in the stacks backwards. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There we go. I'm old school. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Blood and Gourd, I believe they're on episode five or six now, right? I think they're, so. We, we were on a hiatus far. for a little while. Yeah, so yeah, they're far up there right now. Blood and Gourd. Amazing comic. I just want to say that right now. But I just picked up the comics Farmhand. Um, I'm starting to get into more comics and more new newer comics, I guess you would say. Uh, so I picked up Farmhand. And looking back to Blood and Gourd, I can definitely see a lot of correlation from Farmhand to Blood and Gourd. And I think it's like really cool. If you guys like Farmhand, uh, you would definitely love Blood and Gourd. I just want to throw that out there. I have not read that comic, so I can't say anything. <laughs> you need to. No, I mean, I have, like, what is it, one through five or whatever. I have all the comics that are released, so if you ever want to read them, let me know, man. So the first comic is called It Came From The Pumpkin Patch. A company called Seminole is supposed to be making Greenhouse, but when investors come to check it out, they're in for a surprise. Uh, so a new company came into this town, right? And uh, they're making pumpkins. Uh, they're making other things. And they kind of put out a long-lasting family out of business. Uh, the Henderson Farm has to shut down to due to this new venture. So the Henderson Farm is run by the father and his daughter. And the daughter is realizing that they're going to have to sell. She wants to keep the farm. The father wants to sell it so that the daughter can have a real life and not be stressed out by all this junk that's happening. At the end of the comic, mayhem breaks out as the pumpkins begin to move and attack. It's amazing. Oh, I actually really enjoyed this one myself because this is so Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It really is. I got to tell you. Killer Tomatoes. Yes, I was about to say that. Yes, thank you. Uh, it's, Along it's, with a little bit of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, I know amazing. Shaggy was in this. He would snap his fingers and they all go to the dark place and come back and never want to speak of it again. As I was going to have it. But um, the, the character, <laughs> the character relations are perfect. You have the parents that are annoyed by their kids, the kids that are hitting their siblings. Uh, they're all going to, you know, pumpkin patch every year. Your kids go there. You pick out a pumpkin. You take some pictures. You know, family fun, family clean fun. Um but it turns sour extremely quick. You know, everyone's, you know, they're they're talking about the pumpkin patch queen. You know, they're having the pumpkin size contest. They're selling the pumpkins to the farm. Um, and you meet these characters, you're introduced to them. And then all of a sudden at the end of it, 
chaos happens. Oh, yes, the pumpkins rise up and start coming after people. And then the only way to get away was to take pumpkins that aren't trying to kill you, cut them out, wear them as a helmet, so that way they cannot be (laughs) taken over. (laughs) And so the way these pumpkins attack is that they attack the heads of the people, and then they possess the bodies. Mm. Uh, So the way that... Or goats, or anything living. Pretty much, yes. Uh, So what some people were doing was uh, they were taking regular pumpkins, carving them out, and wearing them as almost like a head shield. Yes, like a tinfoil cap. Yes! (laughs) Uh, It's amazing. At the end of the comic, uh, you see that the massive pumpkin that won the prize earlier that day rises up into this king, massive jack-o'-lantern like figure it's amazing uh the second comic is escape the henderson farm uh kitty the owner of henderson farm bands together with her co-workers and friends uh so sadly some kids parents die it, it happens <laughs> so she's trying to save the kids she's trying to save her co-workers um she's trying to escape the farm it's it's all this chaos they're you know explaining like how how to survive how to defeat them uh what's your take on this i said it was good but you, you missed one little thing there's a little bit of backstory like hinting dark magic right in the beginning to where the farm was going through a famine and they prayed to god and got they believe god is wasn't listening to them so they went the other route <laughs> As you know, when anyone ever prays to any kind of god, usually some dark figure intervenes. <laughs> for oh, sure, yeah. that's what happens. So, yes, yeah, so it seems like they asked for help. This lady, was she pregnant at one point? Um, from the artwork here, she pulled the pumpkin from underneath her dress. So, and then the next couple of frames, she doesn't look pregnant. But I think they're trying to have a kid, right? Yeah, they're trying to. And I think that's what they plant. They plant a pumpkin, like, as a ritual. Yeah, with a whole bunch of satanic markings on there, which look more like um, crop circle drawings on there. But then there's that unicorn again, like the kid had in the beginning, in the first issue. It's awesome. The dark man that had skeleton hands. Yeah. So it's just like they went to the dark powers to try to save them. And, well, it ended up well, the usual. <laughs> uh, but it's amazing. Uh, Escape from the Henderson Farm. It's in that, you know, Killer Tomatoes font where it's like crazy. Um, the visuals are great. I, I love how the comic is. I love the shading, the coloring, the paneling. Um Everything is perfect. It's everything that you want in a great comic. Um, John has black and white comics because he printed them out. Uh, yes, yes. But- I'm not going to burn my color printer <laughs> toner out. I'll burn the you black and white ones out. You can pull them up. You can pull them up on your screen and read them. <laughs> yeah, but at the time, my computer was doing weird things. That is very true. Because I had too many Chrome extensions. So well, it was like lagging fault. it. So yeah, it was just easier fault. to print them. I had a half a toner cartridge left, so I kill, killed it. May it rest in peace. <laughs> it's amazing. At the end of this comic, um, you realize that the pumpkins that are being sold into the city were infected. Oh, yeah. And the little demonic sprouts that come off. Yes, of them, like, oh, they're they amazing. So, they look so cute. <laughs> 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 what would you rate Blood and Gourd? 4.2. 
I gave it a total five. This is this is right up my alley. They have great villains. They have great heroes. The art is on point. The text, the backstories, the characters' involvements, the characters uh, interacting with other characters. It's perfect. It's everything that you would want in a good fucking comment. But uh, there's one thing I really would love to know with the uh, with the young boy. He has that unicorn yeah. doll action figure, right. whatever you want to call it. Uh huh. It spoke a couple of times. Okay, yeah, it did speak, and I was first. I was like, okay, does is it like in his mind speaking? And then I realized, oh shit, is he a psychopath? Like, like is he schizophrenic? Like, is he hearing voices? But then again, maybe this is like a sacred unicorn that's protecting him. Maybe we'll find out later. But yes, I did notice that, and I was like, "What's what's talking? <laughs> is it is it is that the unicorn talking? Is is his sibling talking in the background, and we just don't see it? Like, what's what's going on?" <laughs> uh, I'm still curious about that unicorn. I want to know more about that unicorn. Like I said, there's more comics out there. We only reviewed the first two that they sent us, so. If you guys, if you're interested, man, they have like five or six issues out already. And let me know about that unicorn. <laughs> John's like, I'm not going to buy it. Tell me. <laughs> well, I, I, need, I will I need buy to- it, but it's just going to be one of those things where it's like, all I'm all I'm really interested in is the unicorn. I want to know about the unicorn. I, I need to buy it. I want to, I definitely want to pick up Lords of the Cosmos. I definitely want to pick up Blood and Gore. They're good enough comics that I will buy the issues that I've already read. That's all I'm saying, right? Now, will the unicorn try to run for public office and try to <laughs> make, make sanctions against pumpkins and the pumpkin people? <laughs> uh, so the next comic that we're reviewing is Severed Souls, The Order of the Revenant. Uh, this is published by Dimension Comics. Uh, so we were sent, I think, like six or seven issues? Um, I think five. It was a lot. We were sent a lot of issues. <laughs> but we're just going to review the first two. Uh, the first issue is the Ancients. So it starts off with these Ancients uh, meditating. They're introducing the characters. So they're seeking immortality. Oh, as always. Uh, yeah. Any bad guy, that's that's all they want, right? They just want immortality and power. Uh, so they're seeking immortality. Um, and they're trying to find, I guess, people that are considered ancients. They're people with special powers. Um, and so that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to find people in trying to earn immortality. As you see, these ancients, as they call them, were taken to Vernal City, Utah. Uh, and we enter the story of Beth Harwin. Now, Beth Harwin is a psychic. Um, she can know what's going on. She can go to a certain area, pick up off the, you know, energy of that area and tell you exactly what happened. Uh, now they go to the FBI because she knows what happened to a girl who's missing. And her mother is very supportive of her. Uh, the daughter is so sensitive that she can't touch objects. If she, she has to pull a piece of uh, blanket tarp out. And- yeah. And so she doesn't go to public school. She stays at home. Uh, she can't touch objects because she will pick up on their aura. And she's very sensitive. It, it goes into that where the mother and the daughter go talk to this FBI agent. They tell him about the missing girl. The FBI agent tries to brush him the fuck off. Uh, but then the girl tells him about himself. Uh, so the guy starts to believe him. He's like, well, fuck. How did, how do they know about me? What's going on? 
going on. And by this FBI agent logging in this information, because whenever someone tries to give you information, you have to log it into your computer. Um, someone finds out who she is. You're supposed to log it in? Yeah, whenever you get... Um, oh. whenever, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, like if you ever go anywhere, they log in the information saying this person on this day gave me this testimony. Uh, so that way, if they're like, even if you're crazy, they could be like, hey, this fucking crazy person tried to tell me something, and that crazy person could be the killer. So anytime sense. anyone anyone gives you any kind of testimony, especially to the FBI, uh, they log everything. Hmm. <laughs> so you're introduced to another ancient, I guess you would call it, uh, which is the Spectre. Um, and the Spectre, he can like touch technology, deactivate it, turn away cameras. Um, he can do a lot with just his mind. Um, he's paid to do this job. Steal information. Yeah, he's uh, essentially a mutant with um, cyberpunk powers. Yeah, I could totally get it. Uh, so he steals this information, um, and then that's the end of the comic. And then it goes into the backstory of the original Ancient and how it all started. Uh, so the first comic was good. I'm not a huge fan of the coloring and shading of the comic. Um, I mean, it's good. Uh, the, the art's good. It's just sometimes the coloring and shading throws me off for some reason. I, I don't know what it is. Well, yeah, I, I can see that. But like I, said, I can't see the color. <laughs> I'm going to go by uh, your guesstimate on but that. You, but you're printed off grayscale. I mean, this whole comic is grayscale, the one that we received. Okay. I think that whenever I do get black and white comics, they don't have to put in all this extra shades. You can just have black and white um, classic. You know what I'm saying? I, I do kind of like it, though, a little bit. It, really, there's a lot of comics I have that have almost this exact same style that it works for me. I, I, I can't tell you what it is. Um, it's very um, smoky, if you want to say it like that. The coloring is very smoky, lots of shading. Um, I'm not used to that with my black and white comics. Whenever I do have my black and white comics, if there is shading, it's like a heavy shade, almost like anime. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Where there's a shade, it's like this black oblong thing on the side of your face, and that's shade. Uh, so it, it's just a different kind of shading technique that I'm not used to. Uh, so the second issue is called Strange Days. Uh, another person who has powers is revealed called Phaser. He's looking for Beth and plans to abduct her. Uh, so again, because her information was entered into the FBI database, uh, Spectre stole that information and uh, these ancients, if you want to call them that, uh, they find out that Beth has powers just like them. Mm, more mutants. Yes, they, I mean, th these are mutants uh, through and through. Uh, <laughs> so Phaser is actually pretty cool because you could be talking to him face to face, but then an astral figure of himself can go into your house and look at all the information or look at all the stuff that's in your house pretty much and see what's going on oh yeah because that's his ability you can, just, you can be looking at him but at the same time his mind's already gone right He's like i'm in your room now yes what is with all these like is this the exercise room what are all these <laughs> chains and handcuffs and whips oh god get out get out now i need to leave this area <laughs> uh, so phaser is like hey i see you breaks down the door the mom's like Bitch, you need to run now. She runs and runs and runs, and then she realizes, wait, I shouldn't have left my house. She goes back to the house, 
mom's gone. The cellular phone is on the floor. And it says, keep this phone. If you want her alive, we'll contact you. Call the police. She dies. Uh, and then again, it goes into a backstory of another ancient. Uh, some more information about the comic. Uh, it's a good comic all in all. Uh, but I give it a 4.2. It's a very solid comic. Um, it, it goes into a lot of detail. There's a lot of stuff going on. And then sometimes it can be a little confusing. A little bit. But it does swing itself back pretty pretty good though it does i it, it, like i said again it's a very solid comic not my kind of comic i guess you would say uh but it, all in all it's a good comic oh yes i do i did particularly enjoy this one especially with the cyberpunk kid trying to buy his way out and it didn't really happen so it doesn't go into that the first couple uh issues that we read uh but you figure out that specter which is the man who stole the fbi information is trying to buy his way out of this crime ring that he's part of uh he's trying to buy his way out so that he's not pretty much imprisoned and on demand uh he's trying to get out of that scene and i can definitely see maybe specter and beth teaming up i oh, think yeah. that's what i think that's what eventually is going to happen uh but like i said severed souls the order of the revenant uh they have a bunch of episodes out definitely check them out buy some issues for sure yes do it do it now our last comic for review is speak no evil it's published by gray bear comics <laughs> So just like a quick fact, if you love uh, Evil Dead, if you love H.P. Lovecraft, if you love Tesla, if you love the Ghostbusters, you will fucking love this comic, okay? Uh, so this comic, it is co-written by Justin Corbett and George Tripsis. The art is by Samir Samal, colors by Chen Lin Zhao, I love her, um, and it's edited by Meredith Nudo. Mm, still don't know what the colors are. <laughs> 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 now the coloring the coloring is really great uh it's kind of like that um again 80s tv coloring where it's like vibrant and popping and everything's going on uh so issue one it's a story about two teenage brothers who are trying to survive on their own in the 1930s silas and edwin have persisted for years by running scams on people but when one of their scams goes awry they find themselves on the run they end up hiding in an abandoned cabin that was once used by nikola tesla and hp lovecraft for otherworldly experiments 10 years prior of course, the boys aren't going to just sit and hide. And when they explore the cabin, they find something that will change their lives forever. That is a perfect explanation of the first comic. Yes. <laughs> Eels. Eels. You know, I'm, uh, so you know, I'm flipping through this thing again. You know, it's like, yeah, I like E. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll explain what happens like in the first couple panels. It is in upstate New York in 1927. Yeah, what a little in the corner here. Looks like little notes that are written from a as a letter. Like, Dearest Howard, when we began this endeavor, I never imagined we would get to this point. And then there's portals and demons and trying to drag this one kid off. And he's like, shut it down, shut it down. <laughs> so in the first couple pages, uh, you see H.P. Lovecraft and Tesla, and they're fighting demons that they have summoned. So the note that you're referring to, there is narr narration blocks where there's a note going on. Um, and I can read it for you. Let's do this. Dearest Howard, when we began this endeavor, I never imagined we would get to this point. Seeing that the nightmares of my childhood are real and wanting is simply maddening. 
Our collaborative efforts to prove the existence of worlds beyond ours was a resounding success. I never would have accomplished that on my own. His sacrifice will not be in vain. We should have prepared better. I won't make that mistake again. I have boxed all of our equipment and left it at the cabin at the safest place. Tonight, I will leave for my homestead to further prepare for the coming crisis. Protect the book and be wary of zealots. Your friend, Tesla. So, I don't really know who this Howard guy is. He hasn't been mentioned yet. Uh, But obviously, he never comes back to find the book. Or the box of goodies. Uh, but after that, that's a little backstory of what happened uh, back in the past. You were introduced <laughs> into Edwin and Silas. Uh, and again, they're running scams. They're trying to make money. They're orphans. They don't have parents. Uh, and they try to steal some liquors. Oh, of course you would steal liquor. What else would you do when you're a teenager and you can't buy liquor? You right, so so they're running away. Uh, they come upon this cabin, and they find all the goodies of Tesla and HP Lovecraft. And as you can imagine, that would be amazing. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in issue two, Nix and his gang catch up to the brothers and are forced to deal with an unexpected and unthinkable evil. We also meet our female protagonist, Effie, who is a likable, lethal, and quick-witted gypsy girl now what i love about uh speak no evil is that whenever they do their kickstarters you can actually pay to be put into their comic i did not know that yeah uh there's a lot of people that are put into the comic i know carrie from metal geeks Mm -hmm. he's put into the comic um a couple other characters are as well uh so it's it's really amazing that people can donate money to this amazing comic and be put into a comic book hmm it'd be kind of weird me dressed up as silent bob and put in there you should totally do it if you donate enough to kickstarter man you could be an issue number four yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so they have three issues out right now um i love issue two uh, i believe that every every issue Every issue gets better. Uh, Samir Samal is definitely crafting and honing in on his artistic skills. Each comic is just better, crisper, amazing. Bigger, longer, uncut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But what do you think about these comics? I really enjoyed these. A lot, actually. Even more than the ones I normally get, which is, you know, like Green Lantern, Red Lantern, stuff like that. This kind of falls in league with those, in my opinion. I love buying comics that have like a demonic spiritual um, aspect to it. I love that otherworldly experience that happens with some comics. And I love those. Because of me, I have ADD. And if something can actually like hold my attention, I love yes. it. No matter what. Yes. Now, okay. So the wording, um, the the pals and the bangs and the ahs, you know, those uh, the wordings that Automatia. are going on in these. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered that word from high school. <laughs> but the uh, the power adjectives that are going on, I love it. Um, I love the visuals for these comics. I cannot, I, I don't see these kind of visuals happening in other comics. Uh, it's very, you know, powerful power adjectives. Like when something's happening, you can see it. It's like crabburst, poot. Pow! <laughs> it's very, like, old school. I love it. Kind of reminds me of, like, the old uh, Adam West Batman when they got, had the fight scenes. 
Exactly. I love it. It's amazing. Uh, a lot of blood and gore. Um, there's a lot of, I guess you want to say, villains or characters from H.P. Lovecraft's story. Um, so definitely, like, if you were into H.P. Lovecraft or you into Nikola Tesla, like, you need to buy this comic book. It, it only gets better. What would you rate Speak No Evil? 4.7. I give it a 4.7 as well. Uh, it's amazing. I cannot wait to see more. Um, I love Mr. Cadbury. Whenever you read chapter two of Speak No Evil, you will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Maybe you just say issue two. <laughs> <laughs> chapter two issue two you know i also call comic books episodes uh just because i'm like a tv nut and it's hard to like transition from tv to comics uh i just recently got into comics and so it's kind of hard saying like oh it's issue two i just say episode two. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be interesting when you can see oc star wars when it comes out <laughs> <laughs> issue nine uh, okay. no it's episode nine <laughs> still getting in so many indie comic book artists asking us to review their content, we're going to add a new segment into our podcast called Comic Corner. And it's going to be amazing. We're going to review comics whenever they come in. And I believe we should get, you know, a new one every week. Oh, yes. It'll be fun. It'll be educational. And it also get all these people's names out there so everyone else can know who they are. Yes, we love helping out those little guys. Yes, we do. And that is it for episode 22, guys. Um, as always, you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and you can listen to us on iHeartRadio as well, but we are under Dogfin Studios. You can contact me at thirsty at ragingnerdspod.com and follow me on social media at thirstyerica. Well, for me, if you want to contact me, send me Love letters, hate mail, whatever, because my inbox doesn't ding fast enough. Just contact me at dogfinstudios at gmail.com and follow me on social media at dogfinstudios on Facebook, Twitter, and I think that's all I got right now. <laughs> you got an Instagram. I do? That's <laughs> yeah, you. you do. <laughs> okay. I never, I, I, I. But thanks, guys, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>